0: Journey, nice to see you all. My name's Chris. Really glad you're here. Uh, you find us as we are cruising right along in a series that we are calling the Way of Jesus: Radical Love and Action. And as we've been moving this through this series, what we've been doing is following the trajectory of the life of Jesus, and we we stop along the way to learn His way. And, and inside of all of that is, is this heart and desire to to one communicate to all of us as a church family, who we are to the core. Like who is Journey to the core? If you're a part of this family, who are we? What are we like? What do we do? Because our mission around here is to lead people to radical love in action like Jesus. So it seems fitting that we would spend a lot of time talking about the way of Jesus in order to grasp that core mission that we are on together. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to continue this adventure by sitting with Jesus and his disciples during their last supper together before Jesus willingly goes to the cross. Fittingly, this last supper is often referred to as the last supper. That's how you know it was the last one. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna maneuver my way through a handful of different portions of scripture, but I'm going to read from the Gospel of Luke first to set the stage for us. And I didn't put this on the screens because what I want you to do is I want you just to close your eyes. This means you're gonna have to put your notes page down too. I want you to close your eyes and imagine that you are there sitting at this table with Jesus and his disciples, because this will go a long way into helping you understand where we go with all of our teaching this morning. So I'm gonna be reading from Luke 22, beginning in verse seven. Imagine you are there with Jesus and his disciples. Now, the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal So we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. This is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it then he said take this and share it among yourselves for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die, but what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? The disciples began to ask each other Which of them would ever do such a thing Then they began to argue among themselves About who would be the greatest among them Jesus told them In this world the kings and great men Lord it over their people Yet they are called friends of the people But among you it will be different Those who are the greatest among you Should take the lowest rank And the leader should be like a servant Who is more important The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Let's pray. God, what a gift it is to be here this morning together in this place. We could be anywhere else doing anything else, yet we are here, and we welcome you, and we invite you, and we know that you are already on the move in our lives, God. And so I ask that we would be able to open up our hearts and our minds and our eyes to to see you afresh this morning. I pray that you would speak directly to our lives, not only as individuals, but as a church family as well, God. And would you unite us as one. Would you help us to fall more in love with you this morning? Would we come to to know the power and the beauty and the saving gift that your son Jesus gave us with his body and his blood? And God, I pray for myself that you would give me your words to speak this morning. I pray that everything that I say would be for you and from you and would honor you and that above all, we would make much of you this morning, God. We love you so much. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. So uh, I recently began to wonder a couple things after being reminded of the historical fact that Jesus was Jewish. And so as I thought about the fact that Jesus was Jewish, uh, I, I began just watching how he engaged the world through his Jewishness. And what happened is I began to wonder what it was like to be a Jew in the day and age of Jesus because if he was Jewish and his disciples were Jewish and many of the people he was interacting with were Jewish, I should maybe understand what the heck was going on there. And as I started to wonder this and ask questions and do some reading, I found myself intrigued by the Passover meal that we just read about in Luke. And then on top of that, I started to, to just follow Jesus as he like meandered through the world, and I followed him into the Garden of Gethsemane, which he went there after this last supper, and as he went to the garden after the last supper, I was intrigued as to why he uses the metaphor for the coming crucifixion of a cup. Why was it a cup? Why was he praying, Father, take this cup from me? And so per- perhaps you've never thought about either of these things, why Jesus prayed about the cup and whatever the Passover might be, uh, and perhaps you still don't care even at this moment in time, that's fair, okay? That's fair if you don't. My hope is that I can guide all of us into caring by opening our eyes to the powerful pieces of the Passover and the, the heart of service and sacrifice in the person of Jesus. All of this is going to connect in some way. So to understand anything at all about this Last Supper, because perhaps if you've heard this before, you have a bunch of ideas about the Last Supper, but we've got to go even farther back to set the stage for all of this. We have to grasp the Jewish Passover meal. What was this? You'll notice from Luke 22 what we just read, right? We read this. Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together together. Right, Jesus is saying this is an important thing for us to do. After the Passover meal is prepared, then they gathered in what is often referred to as the upper room at this table to eat. And before they eat, Jesus says, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. And so again, to understand any of this, because he just says it over and over again, we must answer the question, what is this Passover meal and why is Jesus eager to eat it with them? Jesus wants to have a Passover meal with his disciples. Why is that? And so what's going to happen next is going to require you to stay with me. All right, as as I move through some details about the Passover meal and what it represents and what it means, because what's eventually going to happen is going to lead to the climax that will come into focus in a way that, that I would anticipate is unlike any way we've looked at it before, okay? But you've got to make your way through me. We're going to like trudge through the details a little bit to get there. Okay, you up for that? Okay, six of you, Great. And then those six, uh, hopefully the rest of us feed off of their engagement and we'll, we'll go from there. He, here's, here's what we need to know. The, the Jewish people celebrated the memorial of the Passover of Egypt as the foremost of all feasts. This was like their jam, okay? And so here's what happened. The Passover went like this. I'm going to give us five steps. The, the first step was to choose an unblemished male lamb, And it's okay as I tell you the steps about the Jewish Passover if you start to make some connections to what Jesus was up to, okay? So the first step is to choose an unblemished male lamb. This lamb had to be perfect, absolutely perfect. Step two was to sacrifice this lamb. And it was extremely important that not a single bone of the lamb be broken So they would sacrifice the lamb. Step three, they would spread the blood of the lamb on the home as a sign of the sacrifice. So what was happening is that the blood of the lamb that they sacrificed would stain the wood of the doorpost, right? So you could see the blood above their door. And ultimately, the Passover sacrifice then, this lamb, was all about the deliverance from death through the blood of the lamb. And by having this blood on their doorposts, what it was again the sign for was when the angel of death passed over their homes. See that connection? Okay. Step four eat the flesh of the lamb with unleavened bread. The Passover sacrifice was completed not by the death of the lamb, but by the eating of its flesh. And and even as you're hearing all this, you just be reminded of all of the things that Jesus said that are using this language, okay? Because it'll connect them all. This eating of the flesh of the lamb, it was accompanied by unleavened bread, which perhaps means nothing to you. Here's what unleavened bread is. It's bread that has not yet risen, And the reason that they ate it with unleavened bread, because it served as a sign of the haste with which they left Egypt. When they fled Egypt, there was no time for the bread to rise. They had to go now. And so you can see as it's connecting all of these pieces, this Passover meal is no ordinary meal. It's steeped in years and years and years of remembering what God has done for them, which leads us to the fifth step, which is every year they were to keep the Passover as a day of remembrance of the exodus forever. They were remembering their exodus from slavery in Egypt forever the way that God rescued them. And so essentially, this was not a one-time feast, right? The Passover would be observed forever until the end of time. That's why Jesus and his disciples were also observing the Passover. So what does this mean for us? Those are some good steps, right? There's more details to come, I'll warn you, right? But but for our understanding of what Jesus was doing at the Last Supper, what, what do we need to know? Here's what we need to know as the tradition of the Passover feast aged from that time in which they left Egypt. It began to be tied to the coming of the Messiah and the dawn of the age of salvation. So every time they would have the Passover meal, what they were thinking about was the coming of the Messiah and the dawn of the age of salvation. This means many Jewish people observing Passover we're expectant that someday the Messiah would come and save them. The Passover is looking forward to the deliverance of God's people. Right? The deliverance of God's people from Egypt is the prototype. And then the Messiah will come and it will be the deliverance of all people. And the dawn of salvation will be there for everyone. It would have been believed that the Messiah comes on the Passover night File that detail away. And God will redeem his people on the same night. This was a Jewish belief that had just many, many years before. It had been formed for years and years and years. And so here's Jesus and his disciples eating it. So what happened then? On the night that Jesus shared the Passover meal with his disciples, what happened during their last supper? Because the liturgy of the Passover meal, that is the plan that they followed at the the last supper with Jesus, shared some similarities, but some striking differences with the traditional Jewish Passover feast. And so if you don't know where it came from and you don't know the similarities, then the, the differences won't stand out as much to you either, unless, of course, you have Jewish heritage, then you might know this. But here's the similarities The similarities between the historical Jewish Passover feast and the last supper that Jesus had with his disciples. Here it is. Jesus celebrated the Passover supper at night. That's important. It was at night. It says it in all the gospel accounts. It's when the very night the sacrificed lambs would be eaten. The gospel writers go to great lengths to stress that Jesus and his disciples were observant Jews as they kept the Passover feast the night before he died. It's also similar in that they celebrated in Jerusalem. That at that time was where the Passover feast was to be had. You would go to Jerusalem. It's why Jesus sent his disciples ahead to Jerusalem instead of having the meal in Bethany where they were at that time. There's a very important piece to that, right? Go ahead and prepare the meal for us in Jerusalem. Another similarity, they drank wine. But we'll get to that here in a minute, okay? Just know that they, they were enjoying themselves as well. But perhaps most important of all, Jesus' act of explaining the meaning of the bread unquestionably points. To the Passover. At a traditional Jewish Passover, the father of the house would answer the son's questions. There would be this this back and forth that they would do every time they had the Passover meal, in which the son would ask a question and the father would respond and he would explain the meaning of the unleavened bread. It's when he would tell of how they fled Egypt and there was no time for the bread to rise and God delivered them from that place and they would tell the story of that. And so Jesus presents the bread. And he explains the meaning of the bread, again, in a way that we have never heard before. And then they ended their last supper feast with a hymn of praise. We find this in the accounts of Matthew and Mark, that as they're finishing their meal, they sing a hymn of praise together. All of this would have been in line with the similarities of the traditional Jewish Passover feast. Now, the differences, and these would have been glaringly obvious To any ancient Jew, including the disciples, however, I would argue that the disciples at this point in time are used to being surprised by the traditional ways that things would happen. So um, maybe they weren't as caught off guard by the way Jesus was changing things, but any ancient Jew who would be understanding what was going on here would say, yeah, that's not how it goes. So the first thing that's different is that Jesus is acting as the father of these disciples. Typically, it was always within the family dynamic that the Passover feast would be celebrated. So a family, a distinct family, and the father would lead it. But as Jesus was prone to do, he was from the very beginning in which he started walking around on this earth, creating a new family. And so here we have this representation as Jesus is leading a new family. The focus of an ordinary Passover was on God's covenant with Abraham, right? The ancient people of God, when God said to Abraham, right, I I will bless you and your nations will grow and expand, right? It was always on that covenant. Well, Jesus comes in and he introduces a new covenant. There's something different about his covenant. And then perhaps most significantly, at an ordinary Jewish Passover, The entire liturgy, right? The entire movement of the meal revolved around the body and blood of the sacrificed Passover lamb. What Jesus has done is he's reoriented this focus by shifting away from the body and blood of the Passover lamb. And if you read the gospel accounts, you'll notice there is no mention of the Passover lamb. There's no mention of the actual lamb. It's just about Jesus. And he has turned it toward his own body and his own blood, Because in the blood is the life and in the soul is the blood, right? That's why they wouldn't eat or drink blood. And so Jesus is saying, now we're gonna reimagine that because the life is in the blood. I'm gonna tell you a gross story. So when they would go to Jerusalem and they would sacrifice the lambs, there would be many, many people making the trip to Jerusalem to have their Passover feast. And only the priests were the ones who could handle the blood. And so they would sacrifice a lamb and then there would be these priests lined up and they would have these basins and they would pass the blood from basin to basin and there would be a line of priests from where the lamb was sacrificed to where they would put it on the altar. And it would be so many lambs, some 200,000 lambs being sacrificed on this day that the blood would just keep flowing. And so they had teams of priests. Team one, okay, they can't possibly pass any more blood down. Team two comes in and those priests pass it down. You have to do your best without passing out to imagine the massive amount of blood that was flowing. Not that it was crazy or disgusting or gross, but that it was the picture of redemption. There is is something so connected to Jesus' Jewishness and his experience of the blood of the lamb on every day of Passover to the things that he's saying about his own blood. The imagery would not be lost on his original listeners. They would connect to all of the blood. So Jesus is saying, In all of this, I am the new Passover lamb of the new exodus, the new deliverance. This is the Passover of the Messiah, and I am the new sacrifice. He's saying that. That's a big deal. So let's go back. And look at where we started in Luke 22. I'm going to read you verses 14 through 20 again. And what, what's going to happen now, you have a different understanding, hopefully, of the Passover. And I want you to, to hear these words using your new understanding of this. And I want you to place yourself at the table again with some of the backstory in your heart and soul. Listen to this. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. See what he's doing there. So now I wanna to introduce to you the movement of the four cups of wine that they would have at a Passover meal. And, and this, this is my favorite part and this changed my my view forever of the intentionally redemptive act of Jesus going to the cross. It has given Holy Spirit power to my receiving of communion, to, to my desire to give thanks, and ultimately to remember the body and blood of Jesus. So I want to introduce this to you. In Luke 22, what we just read, we see there's multiple cups of wine, right? He's raised multiple cups of wine at the Last Supper. This is because there were four cups of wine present at the Passover meal, and it was considered mandatory to drink them. Remember that detail as well. So the first cup was the cup of sanctification, and this was one that Jesus and his disciples drank at the beginning of the meal following a blessing, It would kind of get things rolling, okay? You know how wine might get things rolling. Anyway, they were doing the same thing, right? But it meant something to them. The second cup was the cup of proclamation. And at this point of the meal, the the father proclaimed what the Lord had done for the people of God in setting them free from Egypt in the Exodus. At this point, he would explain, he would proclaim through the scriptures what had happened to God's people. Another part of this was the father explaining the different parts of the meal, the lamb, the unleavened bread, the bitter herbs, the hyssop, all of that was being explained and why it existed. And then after that, they would sing a song of praise and thanksgiving. Most likely, they were singing Psalms 113 and 114, right, the Jewish songbook. And then came the third cup, or the cup of blessing, And this cup would be poured. And the pouring of this cup signaled the beginning of the actual supper. So you see, at this point, we've just had appetizers and two giant glasses of wine. You'll understand why Jesus' disciples fell asleep here in a moment. And this is the beginning of the supper. And this is when they ate the actual lamb and the unleavened bread was with this third cup of wine. Now, the Passover meal was not complete, until the fourth cup was finished. And the fourth cup was known as the cup of praise. But before drinking the final cup, the family would finish singing and they would, they would sing Psalm 116. And I'm gonna read it for you here in a second, but what you've gotta do, you gotta use your imagination again, because it is likely that Jesus and his disciples were following this liturgy and they were singing this psalm So I want you to imagine Jesus sitting around this table where he's already kind of reinvented what the Passover means when he's talked about his body and his blood and his time of suffering that is to come. I want you to imagine Jesus singing these words with his disciples. What can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all his people. The Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. Oh Lord, I am your servant. Yes, I am your servant born into your household. You have freed me from my chains. I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. Can you imagine Jesus singing Psalm 116 around that table that night before he dies? Jesus is offering to God at that point the sacrifice of thanksgiving. He's preparing himself for what's to come. But they still haven't drank the fourth cup yet. In Matthew 26, we find following the third cup that Jesus vows, like he did in Luke, not to drink wine again until he drinks it in the kingdom of God. We get the same thing in Mark 14. The the account is even more clear as Mark writes in this space that is likely again after the third cup that Jesus will not drink wine again until he drinks it new in the kingdom of God. He's refusing to drink this last cup. And immediately after Mark writes these words of Jesus vowing to not drink wine again, he says this in verse 16, then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. Again, we see that the fourth cup has not been finished. Therefore, the Passover meal is not finished. Apparently, Jesus and his disciples have left the upper room without finishing the last supper. And now for us, that might not mean anything at all. We're like, okay, get on with it, Chris. But it would have been unheard of for an observant Jew to finish that way. This is unprecedented what Jesus is doing at this Last Supper, this Passover meal. So, what's going on? We move ahead to Matthew 26. 36 through 46, and this is where Jesus, they have gone to the Mount of Olives, which is where the Garden of Gethsemane is, and this is where Jesus goes to pray. And so they've left the Last Supper, and they've gone to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they are praying there, and I wanna read this to you because the language will blow your mind now that you know what you know. Listen to this. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, "'Sit here while I go over there to pray.'" He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. It's like he's even talking to himself there. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, Your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Take this cup from me. And as we know, Jesus chooses the cup of suffering. So where is the fourth cup of the Passover feast? When is the Passover complete on the night of the Last Supper? Let's look at John 19, 28 through 30, and notice this is as Jesus is hanging from the cross. We've moved ahead in the story. He's been betrayed. He's been arrested. He's been beaten. He's carried his cross up the hill. He's been nailed to the cross. He is now hanging from the cross. And here's how John writes it. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head And gave up his spirit. On the cross, Jesus requests a drink of wine, tastes it, and says, it is finished. And now, too, the Passover meal is complete. Jesus extended his last Passover meal to include his own suffering and death. And this is why we refer to the crucifixion as a sacrifice, because it's all tied together. The ultimate sacrifice and the new Passover. For in the death of Jesus, we are now delivered and saved. Let's take a moment of reflection here. I just want you to have a space to be quiet and still. I don't know what this might mean to you or what's going on in your head or your heart right now, but let's give Jesus the last word in all of this with our silence and stillness. And so take a a few moments for our eyes to be opened, our hearts softened and our lives healed. And as you pray, sit for a moment and then I'll pray us out after that. God, what a, what a gift your son Jesus is. Thank you for his willingness to die. But God, I, I thank you this morning for eyes to see the intentionality with which he went about reminding us that he is a sacrifice that redeems and save us, saves us, delivers us. And in your son, Jesus, we find the new sacrifice, the new exodus, the new Passover. And God, I pray that we would see your love for us clearly through these actions, through this history that ties us all together as the people of God. And God, in a moment when we come to the table, we eat the bread and we drink the wine. I pray that we would see the face of your son, Jesus, and his intense love for us in that moment. I pray that we would even now, it would stir in us to surrender to him anew, to acknowledge that you, God, through your son, Jesus, are the only one who heals us and makes us whole. Thank you for the ultimate sacrifice of your son, Jesus. We thank you that he did not stay dead. We thank you that the the power of your Holy Spirit raised him to new life. And that same spirit lives in us who follow you. So God, I pray that we would die to our old lives and we would receive the new life and that that's the life we would go and live from in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our families jobs, schools, whatever it might be. Love you so much. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, and we pray all of these things in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.